Greetings, friends and brethren. This is Dr. Bob Teal from the Continuing Church of God. And today I'd like to talk about things associated with the Thyatira church era. Uh, what it taught about apostolic succession, some of its doctrines, uh, some of what it was doing, as well as to give some insight what the Church of God has taught about Jezebel. Now, in the Continuing Church of God, we, like some other churches, believe in a concept known as church eras, which basically means that we believe that the messages that Jesus had given to the churches in Revelation 2 and 3, uh, not only those attitudes exist throughout the entire church age, but some were dominant for a particular period of time. Ephesus followed by Smyrna, followed by Pergamos, uh, then Thyatira, uh, followed by Sardis, uh, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. Now, in the Church of God, we've tended to believe that the Thyatira church era went from sometime toward the middle of the 11th century, like around 1050 or so, up until the end of the 16th century or up until the middle of the 17th century. And first, what I'd like to do is to actually read what Jesus said, translated in English, of course, to uh, the church in Thyatira. If you've got your Bibles, you might want to follow along. This will be from Revelation chapter 2. I'm going to start reading in verse 18. And to the angel of the church in Thyatira write, These things says the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire, and his feet like fine brass. I know your works, love, service, faith, and your patience. As for your works, the last are more than the first. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you, because you allow that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess, to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality and to eat things sacrificed to idols. And I gave her time to repent of her sexual immorality, and she did not repent. Indeed, I'll cast her into a sick bed, and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation, unless they repent of their deeds. I will kill her children with death, and all the churches shall know that I am he who searches the minds and hearts. And I will give to each one of you according to your works. Now to you, I say, and to the rest of Thyatira, as many as do not have this doctrine, who have not known the depths of Satan, as they say, I will put on you no other burden, but hold fast what you have till I come. And he who overcomes and keeps my works until the end, to him I will give power over the nations. He shall rule them with a rod of iron. They shall be dashed into pieces like potter's vessels, as I have received from my Father, and I will give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Because of the statement, but hold fast which have till I come, some have felt that there will be a portion of the Thyatira era remnant around when Jesus returns. And it's also interesting to note, to me, I think, you might find it interesting, it's, Jesus says the same thing to the uh, church in Philadelphia in Revelation 3.11. So we're supposed to hold fast things. Now there have been different opinions about when the Thyatira uh, church uh, began and ended. But basically, uh, the worldwide church of God started looking sometime into the 11th century. I'd like to read uh, something that they've written about this. This is from uh, Lesson 51 in 1968, uh, Ambassador College Bible Correspondence uh, Course. High in the Cachin Alps, Jesus Christ appointed a place of safety for the headquarters of his church during the most fruitful part of the Thyatira era, a wilderness refuge above the busy plains and cities of Italy and France, known as the 
and Grognan, Grognan Valley today. Beyond the high western ridge in the background lies France, where the Thyatira work began. In the center is Prat del Tor, the Plain of Tower, the site of the ancient Waldensian College. Felicians and Bogomils came into Western Europe before the year 1000. And we cover some of that when we talk about a, a sermon we have on the Thyatira, excuse me, on the Pergamus church era, the one that succeeded, preceded Thyatira. They found a fertile field prepared by the living Jesus Christ, just waiting for the sowing of the word. It was to be seen a little later the expansion of Jesus' work during the Thyatira era of his church. North Italy and South France had already known organized objections to authority and the teachings of the Bishop of Rome every century from the fourth onward. The Paulicians and the Bogomils in Italy, among whom were individuals who believed Christ, came to be called Cathars, uh, or Cathars meaning Puritans. In France, the Cathars, the Publiciani, Bulgars, and finally the Albigenses, and in Germany, particularly around Cologne, they be, uh, be, came what the uh, encyclopedia calls an abiding background of medieval heresy. Yes, those the Church of God were considered heretics throughout the, the Middle Ages. It just identifies these people as the debris of an earlier Christianity, that is, the Pergamus era. And that's how the Church has been considered the debris of previous eras, because primitive Christianity. And we, the continuing Church of God, they still call us all kinds of names to this day. Worldwide Church of God also wrote, in Thyatira there are many false teachers and false brethren among God's people, who taught it was okay to let the Roman Catholics baptize their children or attend idolatrous mass once in a while. Others committed spiritual fornication by meddling in politics in the hope of avoiding persecution. The Pope in 1096 described the Valley Louise in Dauphiny, France, as infested with heresy. It was a result of a Paulician and Bogomil evangelization of the Alpine regions. Around 1104, a man from this valley called Peter of Bruce began in Embrun to preach repentance. One of the definitions of the Greek word Thyatira is sweet savor of contrition. In other words, real repentance. And that's what Peter was preaching. He only baptized people who were old enough to know and mean what they were doing. That is only after real repentance. He further uh, rejected the Roman Catholic mystery teaching that the priest in mass produced literal flesh of Christ. He opposed the reverence of crosses, an emphasis on church, huge church buildings. He opposed the fable of purgatory, prayers for the dead, as well as the bribes uh, paid by the great, to, the great, to the greedy religious leaders who falsely claimed to represent God. do you know what that is? What ha used to happen, or still happens actually, is somebody dies some t uh, and they will actually, some of the clergy will ask the widow or widower to be a major donation so they can try to pray them out of purgatory so they don't there as long, etc. Anyway, this continues. Uh, converted followers gathered around Peter of Bruce. God's church is beginning again to do a work. Freed from the errors of the Cathars and Catholics, a spiritual gospel is once again being widely preached. The numbers of truly converted, those led by the Holy Spirit, multiplied. They kept God's Sabbath. Uh, for nearly 20 years, Peter preached. 
Then the false church would no longer stand for this, and he was taken and burned alive at the stake. Now I'd like to read something from a non-Church of God source. It says, Most of the Albigensian communities were first sacked, then burned, and their records and their libraries destroyed. Now this is important because when I'm talking about things such as succession, it's tough to show succession when your records have been destroyed. Because of the testimony of exactly what the Catholics believed, uh, it's been difficult to gain access to their true belief structures. And what's happened was there were different people called, let's say, Cathars or Albigenses or Waldensians who absolutely were not Church of God. This says, Research now indicates that far from the devil-worshipping heretics, Pope Innocent III declared them, which uh, warranted their extermination, the Albigenses were devout, chaste, tolerant Christian humanists who loathed the material excesses of the medieval church. And here's from another source. The records coming from the church in the wilderness are at best fragmentary as the communities are largely disappeared under persecuting forces which often destroyed the records. I should comment about this for just a moment. In the book of Revelation chapter 12, it talks about the church going to the wilderness for 1260 a days. We, we consider that to be prophetic and probably started somewhere around uh, 380 AD and ended around uh, uh, 1640. Could have started a little later or before. We don't have precise dates, but the entire time of Thyatira was during the time of the Church of the Wilderness. Now I'd like to read something from a non-Church of God source about Peter de Bruyne. It says, early in the 12th century, Peter of Bruyne, himself following a strictly ascetic way of life, rejected the baptism of infants, uh, the Catholic Eucharist, church buildings, ecclesiastical ceremonies, prayers to the dead, and the veneration of the cross. They were called Petrobrusians, by the way. They rebaptized those who joined them. Uh, and they uh, burnt crosses and overthrew altars. Now, I want to make a comment. This isn't like the racist thing the KKK did, or does, has done, but to eliminate idolatrous items, such as, for example, you can see an example when uh, uh, bad books were burned in uh, Acts uh, 1919. Now, if you ever run across something called the uh, Waldensian Confession of Faith of 1120, let me flat out say that according to uh, sources, that was not written until the 1500s. In the 1100s, uh, no, the Waldensians weren't going around saying they were Trinitarian and a bunch of other stuff like this. this something happened later. Now, I ran across a lot of writing from uh, an evangelist who I've heard, and I've maybe even met before, but I'm just not certain if I ever met him. His name is uh, uh, Dean Blackwell. I do think I've met him, but I'm not positive. Here's some things he wrote about the Waldensians. They taught, when you die, you're an intermediate step between life and the next state. When you die, you, don't, you just don't exist. Your very thoughts perish, and you know not anything. Wind goes to wind, dust to dust, water to water, and there's nothing except your character that God's controlling to put into another body. Some of the Waldensians held the doctrine of the intermediate state. They knew one word for Hades was the grave, the intermediate place of the dead before the resurrection, the final fate. 
Also, uh, Dean Blackwell wrote, numerous church festivals. They were compelled to refrain from all work on the numerous festivals of the church. Uh, which festivals of the church? Those are, for example, are listed in the Bible, such as the book of Leviticus, chapter 23, and those were kept by early Christians as well. And by the way, before I go any further, we do have a booklet, Should You Keep God's Holy Days or Demonic Holidays, goes into the his, some of the history of each of the holy days that people such as uh, faithful amongst the Waldenses or the Albigenses were keeping uh, during the Middle Ages. This book, or any other one I hold up, is available free at www.ccog.org. That's www.ccog.org. Go to the literature tab under books and booklets and you can find this and the other, the other ones I may hold up. Since they rejected traditional pagan holidays of the Roman Catholic Church, Palm Sunday, Easter, Christmas, Halloween, they were keeping God's holy days. And this is the back of the booklet. You can see some of the symbols associated with pagan holidays that are there. Dean Blackwell writes, the Waldenses, according to Strong, speaking to them says, though agriculture little importance historically, it was not, is not the least important of the valleys. So this retired region, people have been, been drawn as an asylum that could not be invaded when most sorely pressed by their foes. Within this region was a sacred spot called the Shiloh of the Valleys, where in the former ages, the Waldensian Synod, or meeting, church meetings, met. They met where they called Silo of the Valleys. And here was also located the School of the Prophets. So they had a school for the training of teachers and ministers, even there. That's what Dean Blakeball wrote, and he wrote this as well. Uh, so we see that Waldensians believed in basically what's called soul sleep, and they kept the holy days. I'd like to read something else from the old uh, Worldwide Church of God. It said the Waldensians recognized they were the true successors of the Apostolic Church. They kept the Sabbath, also the yearly Passover. Each September, in September, each uh, September or October, the seventh month in God's calendar of Leviticus 23, they held at the headquarters church a great conference. As many as 700 people attended from afar. Uh, crowds gathered daily to listen to sermons. Worldwide wrote, What could this be? Gathering be for the Feast of Tabernacles. Under the name of a passagini, we also have a clearer sort of statement that these people around 1200 observed the whole Old Testament law, including the Sabbath and the festivals. People called Cathars at Cologne kept a fall fester called Maliosa, even before Waldo began to preach. Compare this unexplained name with the Hebrew word uh, milaya, or harvested ear of grain. So it seems to be same time, same type of thing. And compare this with the biblical title, Feast of Ingathering, in Exodus 23:16, which is another term in the Bible for the Feast of Tabernacles. How much more we might have known about these Middle Ages Feast of Tabernacles had not the inquisitors so zealously burned the records. And that was a problem. The inquisitors also burned the records, so we've got... Sometimes we were criticized being that we just sprung up or some, some nonsense like that because we don't have complete records on certain matters. But we did exist. The true Church of God has continued from the beginning. As a matter of fact, we have a booklet here called The Continuing History of the Church of God. It explains that our church, our beliefs, have existed from the time of the beginning of the church age to present. 
Oh yeah, the church is sometimes called different names and uh, moved in different locations, but Jesus had said you wouldn't go through all the cities of Israel before the Son of Man returned, showing that the church would move around. And in the book of Hebrews, uh, the Bible teaches that the church would have no continuing city, so we could never have an eternal city that would not be affected by persecution of various types uh, throughout the church age. All right, getting back to the Worldwide Church of God, they wrote about these people. The three-part division of tithes paid the Waldensian Church is significant. Even in the 1500s, the same division continued. Here's what it says. The money given us by the people is carried to the aforesaid general council and delivered to the presence of all. There is received by the most ancients, the elders. Part there is given to the, are, that are those who are wayfaring men according to their necessities and part given to the poor. They say, compare this practice with uh, Numbers 18.21, Deuteronomy 14.22, 28.29. It says, isn't that what the Bible commands? It says, most authors assume wayfaring men were the traveling barbell, but their expenses would have been paid from the money given to the elders at every time of the year for the direct conduct of the work, first tithe and offering. And then there's something called the second tithe, those traveling to and from the festivals. And the third for the poor. See the explanation says in Deuteronomy 14. Feast scores had more second tithe than they needed to share their excess, which is what people do now. And by the way, this is from Ambassador College, course number 51, 1968, titled, And the Church Led in the Wilderness, where she had a place, based on Revelation 12. So in modern times, we still have first tithe, second tithe for festival or festival tithe that people keep for themselves to go to the feast, and third tithe uh, uh, years three and six of seven years. Now, I've got this report from a Baptist historian from the 18th century. Now, this was written in Old English, and I'm going to try to pronounce the words in modern English, so maybe a little different. Some of the inhabitants of the Pyrenees and those of the adjacent saints uh, were the true original Waldenses. For to them, and to them only, do the descriptions of the Book of the Inquisitors agree. True, there were other people who appeared to, to claim antiquity, to produce some writings. But these other people, the Piedmontenses were uh, Trinitarians, uniform and religious. But the old, old Waldenses had no notion of uniformity and uh, they were uh, Manicheans and Arians. Now this is, gets technical. Uh, Manicheans were basically considered semi-Arians and Arians were basically Unitarian. The true church, by the way, throughout history has been Binitarian. And uh, that would be what the Arians and the Manicheans he's referring to here because that's what we find when we look at the records into that period of time in the church, the true church, not the compromised church. The Piedmontes were tame, dejected people, the Pyrenees high-spirited. Here lay the snare. The reformers, that means the Protestant reformers, as found the doctrine of succession of the Catholics, labored with all their might to find out a succession of Christians of the same faith and orders themselves. Such a people they found in the valleys of Savoy by dexterously applying to them whatever had been said of the inhabitants of the other valleys. They surmounted all obstacles except one. The Catholics objected that the old Waldenses held all sorts of errors and were as different from the reformers as of the Church of Rome. 
The reformers extricated themselves from this difficulty by replaying the inquisitors, monks, and historians were Flanders, and all the Wadensias believed as they and Piedmontes believed. The worst of this reply is, it is not true. So let me explain what this means in plain English. So we've got a Baptist writer saying, when the reformers, the Protestants started to come about, they wanted to prove that their church always existed. Their church did not always exist. With the church of their beliefs did not exist. Ours did. We actually have another book, Hope of Salvation, How the Continuing Church of God differs from Protestantism. Protestants do not have a true claim to history. They don't. And even when they try to make the claim, they've got other doctrines that contradict it and make it very illogical. This Baptist writer, and by the way, he wrote, this was published in 1792, said, look, the Waldenses and the Pyrenees were not the same people. You've got, you've got people who were uh, Trinitarian. The Waldenses were not Trinitarian. The Church of God is not Trinitarian. And only the Waldenses had succession. Church of God has true succession. Now, we can't name every single leader. Why? Because, as historians will tell you, a lot of records were destroyed, burnt. Now, I'd like to read something from a Seventh-day Adventist scholar. Actually, before I get to that, let me read one more thing from the Baptist. Some of these Christians were called sabate, sabatati, or insabate, led astray, to the facts, they were so named from the Hebrew word Sabbath because they kept the Saturday and the, they were uh, re rejected the festivals of the Sabbath which the Catholic Church observed. So they're in Sabbath because they didn't keep, the, they, they were called that by the Catholics because they didn't keep the Catholic Sabbath supposedly because they picked Sunday. But even as Baptists admitted they kept Saturday and the Baptist, this Baptist was not a Sabbatarian as far as I can tell. Now, I went to, I want to read now something from a Seventh-day Adventist source. With few exceptions, the Waldensians today deny the ancient Waldensians kept the Seventh-day Sabbath. However, historical indicates that many did observe the Sabbath during the Middle Ages. During the early part of the 17th century, the Swiss historian um, Melchior Goldathus commented on Emperor Frederick's constitution of 1220 against the heretics. So we're going back to 1220. He reasoned the label in Sabati was used to describe heretics during the 13th century because they Judaize on the Sabbath. That is, they keep the Sabbath like the Jews. He mentioned the Waldenses were called in Sabate indicating that during the time there were Waldenses who kept the seventh-day Sabbath as a day of rest. Primary sources show that in the 12th and 13th centuries there were two groups of Waldenses. One group that observed Sunday as the Lord's Day, and the other that kept the seventh-day uh, Sabbath of the Bible. And let me comment here, and this has been a problem in some Church of God literature, not in the continuing Church of God, we didn't make this mistake, but in other groups, they made it sound like all the Waldenses were our people. They weren't. Or all the Albigenses were our people. They weren't. Or all the Catholics were our people. They weren't. There were some who were given those labels, however, who were. And that's why it's important to not say, you know, all the Waldenses did this or something like that. Anyway, here's again from the Seventh-day Adventist source. Our research reveals that the title Insabate could apply to the Waldenses 
who rejected the Catholic festivals and holy days and observed only Sunday, and the Waldenses, who in addition rejected Sunday as a Catholic institute, Roman Catholic institution, and kept the Seventh-day Sabbath of the Bible. The title uh, Sabbate, as applies to heretics, was used to characterize Waldenses who, who stood out because of their observance of the Seventh-day Sabbath. Now, I'd like to read something from a Lutheran historian, uh, Johann Moshin, and uh, he wrote a long, long time ago. It says, the denominations of Pasadenians, the first was a notion that the observance of the law of Moses and everything except the offering of sacrifices was obligatory on Christians. In consequence, they circumcised their followers, abstained from unclean meats, the use of which was prohibited under the Mosaic economy, and they celebrated Jewish Sabbath. The second tenet that distinguished this sect was advanced in opposition to the doctrine of three persons in the divine nature. In other words, he said they were not Trinitarians. Okay? And that's true. Now, if you're watching this and you're Roman Catholic or you're Protestant or you're not sure and you thought all church was Trinitarian, no, early Christians absolutely positively were not Trinitarian. The Trinitarian definition that we now have that most of who profess Christ accept came officially as a result of the Council of Constantinople in 381 that was called by Emperor Theodosius, who in 380 decided this was the right doctrine. Up until the middle of the 4th century, even most Greco-Roman Orthodox Catholic types were binitarian or semi-arian. They did not believe the Holy Spirit was the third person of the Trinity. We have documentation in both of these books about these issues, if you were at all interested. Of course, some people don't want to know the truth. As soon as they hear the truth about the Godhead, they throw up their hands out. It's some cult. The Apostle Paul was said was uh, called a member of uh, the cult of the Nazarenes, by the way. He was also binitarian, as even some Trinitarian writings uh, will Anyway, so we see uh, Moshin thought there were two types of Waldenses, those who considered the Roman Catholic Church to be legit, and the others who considered it, by the way, to be the harlot of, Revel of Revelation, and that was another thing he wrote about. So which of the two do you think was the true Church of God? Now, Dr. Herman Hay, when he was an old radio church guy, he noted that uh, in Thyatira there are many false brethren among God's people, and they said it was okay to uh, baptize their kids, and I mentioned that before. should be noted that prior to the time of the Reformation, the Bohemian Waldensians, they called themselves part of the Church of God. I wrote this from this source when I was doing more research. And here's some of what the Waldensians said about themselves in 1404, according to something called Coma's History. We do not find anywhere in the writings of the Old Testament that the light of truth and holiness was at any time completely extinguished. There have always been men who walked faithfully in the path of righteousness. Their number has been at times reduced to few, but it's never been altogether lost. So in other words, in 1404, they're claiming uh, succession of doctrine and the continuity of the church. We believe the same has been the case from the time of Jesus Christ till now, and it will be so till the end. And we, the continuing Church of God, teach that, and teach that more boldly than any other Church of God I'm aware of. 
For if the Church of God was founded, it was, it was in order that she might remain until the end of time. We do not believe the Church of God absolutely departed from the way of truth, but one portion yield, as it would seem, to the majority was led away to evil. So this is what the Waldensians said about themselves in 1404, that the church always existed, it had been faithful, it's got the same doctrines, but yes, there are people who apostatized throughout history. So they consider themselves a continuation of the Church of God. And we, the continuing Church of God, of course, continue, our, continue ourselves, consider ourselves that way. I'd like to read something from a Seventh-day Adventist scholar, uh, his book, Sabbatarianism in the 16th Century. It said the Sabbatarians viewed themselves as converted Gentiles. The Day of Atonement was a day of fasting. Uh, the Day of Remembrance, uh, which by this he means the Feast of Trumpets, which, which they gave, thank God, especially the creation of the universe. And uh, he didn't think that they uh, kept circumcision, but uh, I, I think they probably did. And I'd like to read something from a, a Jewish source. This is from the Jewish Quarterly Review from 1890. It says, Andreas Iasi in Zvent Erzvat was a rich Slavlaki of noble birth. He owned three villages, a number of estates, uh, was involved in the Transylvania, having been tested by various trials, he sought consolation in religion. He read the Bible so long that uh, uh, he realized he should be Sabbatarian. He recognized the truth, he tried to tell other people, he had some money, so he paid for books to be printed and hymns and all that. He didn't know uh, Hebrew, but he was well versed in church history. And he ended up uh, mastering the Old and New Testament. Again, this is from a Jewish source. He was an enemy of scholastic theology. What does that mean? That means the view of scholars who put everything else down. In modern times, we have vast majority of scholars who will not really believe what this book says. And they'll come up with all kinds of reasons to tell you not to believe it and the doctrines that are in it. And so it says, anyway, we put together books of psalms. And our psalm book, by the way, uh, is uh, uh, full of uh, psalms, uh, just like what they did. And then it, they've got uh, different ones. Uh, some 44 related to Sabbath. Five belong to, uh, let's see, 11 to the Feast of Pass Passover, six to the Feast of Weeks of Pentecost, six to Tabernacles, Three to the Day of, of uh, Feast of Trumpets, and one to the Day of Atonement. Then they have some other hymns of different ones. And he said they kept the Jewish festivals. Okay, this is from a Jew. They kept the law, but only to a certain point. For example, they probably ate meat and milk together. Which, by the way, the law does not prohibit that. The Jews say because the Bible says don't boil a kid in its mother's milk, that means you can't have meat and dairy together. No, it means... You have a cat, uh, a kid that's a baby goat. You can't boil in it. That's boiling in its mother's milk. That's all it says. But they had various things to it, various rules and extra things. And this is one thing Jesus criticized about their keeping of the Sabbath. He says the Sabbath played the most important part in their religious life. They called the Sabbath a celebration of spiritual marriage, and so they dressed up for it. 
The Sabbath service consisted of prayers and hymns and a sermon of instruction. And they kept uh, the various uh, holy days. And except they said, in, in addition, that they were following the example and teaching of Jesus. They said, who does not keep the Sabbath will have no portion in the inheritance of Christ. And they celebrated the Passover of Israel according to the command of Christ. And they talked about the millennial uh, kingdom that Jesus was going to bring. They were uh, against infant baptism. They declared the Greco-Roman festivals of the inventions of the popes. They talked about, talk about unleavened bread in here. And by the way, I have a really long article at the cogwriter.com website called In Search of Thyatira Church. Actually, that's me uh, over at Thyatira. By the way, my wife had a picture of me doing this a long time ago when we were in Thyatira. Uh, but anyway, uh, it's at the cogwriter.com website because this is uh, uh, 57 pages. I usually have about 20 to go through. Uh, so I'm not going to go through all the stuff here. But anyway, that was from a Jewish source. Another uh, one, another, the Jewish source also says they don't celebrate Purim or Hanukkah. Interestingly, I was talking to a, a, a Jewish woman a couple days ago and said that, you know, we keep the biblical holy days, and she was all interested in all that. We talked about it, but I said, but we don't keep Purim and Hanukkah, and she thought that made sense to her as well, that we didn't do that. And says these people say, God enjoying the rest and the holy uh, mediation of the seventh day, and they are not justified in observance of any other, and they would not, and they despise uh, Christmas, Easter, and uh, Sunday. Okay. And the Catholic Cyclopedia notes that they uh, uh, were against the doctrine of pur purgatory. They rejected that. Now the Waldenses claimed they had apostolic succession. Now I'm going to read this from uh, D. Benham's notes on the origin of his Episcopate the Bohemian Brethren. Uh, it says they had uh, uh, bishops as a sect and they claimed to have an uninterrupted succession of bishops from the time of the apostles. And they're probably correct in this claim. Uh, here's from Jones quoting Peter Alex's History of the Church. Alex mentions the Church of God and the people were called Waldenses. They called themselves the Church of God. Then in the History of Sabbath Sunday by Lewis, they condemned the ecclesiastical customs. Uh, they didn't read in scriptures such as keeping Palm Sunday and uh, Good Friday and the other Roman festivals. They declared themselves to be the apostles' successors to have apostolic authority and their ministers have been ordained an unbroken chain since the apostles. Now, According to Dean Blackwell, that is some claim, but it's true. And I say the same thing. We have an unbroken succession. Uh, I've done a lot of research on that to see about uh, Sabbath keepers coming over from uh, the uh, Eastern Hemisphere, the Western Hemisphere, etc. Here's some more of the Waldenses. Their historians assert the community has remained from apostolic chimes, independent of the Church of Rome. They they boast they can show 
regular apostolic section of bishops from the earliest period of time till that of Reformation. And let me kind of paraphrase this. Uh, when the, some of them, uh, as I said, there were two types of the Waldenses. There were those who ended up becoming like the Romans and those who uh, did not. And the ones who were like the Romans, they actually showed the Romans their list, their, their succession list, and the Romans accepted it and accepted them and ordained uh, some of their people back in the, like the 1400s, 15th century. And uh, so we also have other times uh, where we've, we've got this. Uh, there's there's other various reports that I've run across on this particular thing. So, so they said they have true apostolic succession of ministers and bishops without breakdown of the year 1450, at which time the Bohemian brethren split from them, and there were various splits. And I've got many, many sources that repeatedly say that the Waldenses claim to have lawful bishops among them, an uninterrupted succession from the apostles themselves. Now, we don't tend to use the word bishop, but the word pastor and bishop is basically the same thing. Now I'm going to read something from Encyclopedia of Religions. Before I do so, I should say, by the time of the Reformation, most who called themselves Waldenses or derivatives like the Moravians, they didn't hold Church of God doctrines. And that's the case of the Waldensians and the Valdenses today. And by the way, uh, past several weeks, I've actually, past several months, I've talked to Waldensian uh, and Valdensian leaders, modern ones, historians and scholars and stuff, whatever. Anyway, going to the Encyclopedia of Religion, Waldensians pushed back their beginnings to the age of primitive Christianity. They deny they first appeared as heretics breaking off from the historical church. They say they preserved, preserved the purity of faith through all the ages. While all the rest of the church was degenerating, accumulating corruptions, which they protested from the first. Claim to apostolic origin. Claim is first met with in a Dominican monk at Passo, which is in Bavaria, Germany, the year 1316, who states the Waldenses are the most ancient of all sects. Some even saying that this sect, this is in Latin, Druvit a tempore patrum. Translated in English, that means lasted from the time of the fathers. It was but a step to add the Waldensian church was founded by St. Paul when he on his way to Spain. That's one view of it. Now here's something from a Methodist source. Obscure communities such as the Cathari of the Novatians, the Paulicians, the Albigenses, the Waldenses maintain the ancient faith in comparative purity from the beginning of the 4th century down to the Reformation. Again, that's from a Methodist source. Now, information was reportedly given to an Anglican bishop in the 18th century that essentially tied the Moravians to an apostolic succession line from the Waldenses. Some Moravians claimed an unnamed Waldensian elder passed it on through the laying of hands, although some have questioned this. Now, I'd like to read something from a book from a, a Dr. C.D. Atwood, and actually I talked to him uh, back in July of 2020. He says... Chilcliki advocated the Waldensian theory that the, Walden that the Roman Catholic Church fell in error at the time of Constantine because it became an instrument of the state. On the advice of his uncle, 
Gregor read these works and organized a group of like-minded believers the religious community, called themselves Unity of the Brethren. The claim of apostolic succession through the Waldenses did help the Moravian Church be recognized by the Parliament of England in 1749. It was called Ada Fratum Unitas in Anglia. So what am I trying to say there? What I'm trying to say is, in 1749, People who claimed to split off from the Waldenses or be part of the Waldenses said they had apostolic succession through presbyters or bishops from the beginning, and that was accepted by uh, the parliament in England. So when we in the Continuing Church of God say, look, there was a succession list. We're not making this up. It's not just some claim that we came up with uh, or the radio or worldwide Church of God came up with. The data is there. And in the early 1700s, John Potter, Bishop of Oxford, Canterbury, said the Moravian bishops had true succession and made a point that only those ignorant of church history could cast any doubt upon it. Well, people who are ignorant of church history say that we don't have true succession. It's one of the reasons that I urge people to look at this book if you haven't read it. The late Catholic Cardinal Jean Danilo said that people have been mistaught about early Christianity. It was more Jewish, if you will, than people think. And that's from a Roman Catholic uh, cardinal who died in the, I think he died in the late uh, 20th century. All right. And as uh, I get more and more sources here that just says that uh, they have apostolic succession, so I won't go into all of this. And the other is, however, that they say that they had succession through the Greek church. So they said they derived from the uh, uh, Greek church of the ninth century. And others said that uh, they find that one group that split off in 1451, the Hussites, got orders from the Greek church because they were able to show they had some kind of uh, split off from that. And when I've looked into this, what I've learned is that basically people said that they split off from the, the church, uh, probably from Antioch uh, or Asia Minor. And those of you who've heard some of what we taught about the uh, Church of God of Ephesus era, uh, the, one, uh, the sermon on the Smyrna era, and even the other one in Pergamos, mainly those first two, is that we say that yes, uh, that we, we can put the leaders of the Church of God through in Antioch up to the third century, as well as in the uh, uh, era of Asia Minor into the uh, middle or third century, perhaps even in the latter part of the third century. And that's actually where we believe that the faithful would have had their succession through, would have been through those, uh, those churches. Specifically, they claim that they had succession through the Greek church, not the Roman church. And the reason that's of importance is that when the Apostle John was exiled to Patmos, that was just off of the coast of Asia Minor, which was Greek at the time. He then, after his exile, according to the records that we have, he went to Ephesus, which is in Asia Minor. And so you have apostolic succession from the Apostle Paul, excuse me, well, John, Paul was there before, but through the Apostle John, through Polycarp of Smyrna, and other Church of God leaders in that. Uh, and again, you've got leaders down in Antioch as well. And the Waldenses 
from one or both of those, uh, the faithful, that's where they had apostolic accession through. Now, I want to read something from Dean Blackwell. When the Bogomils began to be persecuted, when John Huss and some of the other reformers began to pop up in Bulgaria, God moved the true church down to northern Italy under the leadership of Henry of Lawson and Arnold of Brescia. This, this was in an early stage of the Thyatira church. The second stage was the Waldenses, which is greater. Now, this next thing says, Reformation prophesied. So let me read this. God said he had still a few things against them. You might remember I read that about the Thyatira church when I was reading from Revelation chapter 2, starting verse 18. Well, Densius allowed the Roman Catholics to teach and seduce their servants. They allowed their members to sit in the false church. They allowed their members to sit there and eat the communion. And this is what God had against them. Verse 21 doesn't talk about the Waldenses, however. It talks about the Greco-Roman church only, Catholic church. I gave her time to repent of her fornication. She repented not. He gave her a chance to repent, but she didn't. He cast her in bed with everyone who wanted to commit fornication with her, and those who did would have to suffer tribulation. He would destroy her and her children, the Protestants, for he is the one who searches the reins and the hearts. So you look to the history of true, true church. Don't be dumbfounded when you read the Waldenses and some of their members sat right in the Catholic church, let the Catholics baptize their children and eat bread right off of the Roman Catholic communion altar. Don't be surprised when you read these things. Your Bible said they did. They were weak. They were afraid of dying. They'd rather cater than to certain degrees than to be martyred. And by the way, martyrdom is going to come. And I believe uh, within the next uh, uh, 10 years, it uh, could be longer, but I don't think it'll be longer than that. And will you stand up or will you compromise? Will you be one that God will cast out? Then, continuing, Dean Blackwell writes, Candlestick removed. Whenever it gets to a certain place, it begins to go downhill and degenerate. In this case, become Protestant. God rejected them. They were no longer the true church. The Reformation came to swallow up the true church. That was really the chief reason the Reformation came according to Dean Blackwell. It did swallow up the Waldenses and the Bogomils and some previous stages of the church. Satan did succeed, but just before God's had, before he did swallow up, God took a branch to the Bogomils and moved them down to northern Italy. Henry of Lawson, first minister of the Thyatira age, when he died, his students took place. His student took place. His name was Arnold of Brescia. Together, ministry lasted for about 70 years. From about 1000 to 1070, they were known as Henricians and Arnoldists. After that, they were known as Waldenses when Peter Waldo, in 1170, set aside his wealth, gave it to the poor, and left France and went over to Italy to become the part of the Waldenses. They did a fine job until the 1500s. At that time, they began to reform, began to degenerate, began to become like the rest of the world. They began also to get an army and put their own government to resist persecution. And they no longer held Church of God doctrines. And we, the continuing Church of God, are not Protestant. Protestants might be surprised to learn about doctrines and where they picked up some of the ones because they didn't get from the Bible. We have a much shorter book, The Continuing History of Church of God. If you're Protestant, you really want to read this one. Of course, I think you should read both of them. Um, anyway, these are available free at www.ccog.org. Now, let's see, okay. Anyway, God took some of the faithful in, uh, into Germany, and they were known as Anabaptists or Sabbatarians. 
They preached there, and even one of uh, Martin Luther's best friends, Karlstadt, was a Sabbath-keeping Anabaptist. Dean Blackwell writes, much has been said of the origin of Albadenses. Their own historians assert that the communities re remain from apostolic times independent of the Church of Rome, and they can boast a regular apostolic succession of bishops from the earliest periods of Christianity to that of Reformation. So anyway, the position of the old worldwide Church of God was the Waldenses had apostolic succession, and I think some of them did. Now, there were Sabbath keepers uh, uh, during the time of Thyatira. Uh, Thomas Banfield, who was a speaker of the House of Parliament at one time under Cromwell, said that uh, the seventh day had been kept in England in unbroken succession until the 13th century. Well, actually, I've been able to prove they kept, kept even longer than that uh, because you had the Lollards and some others uh, who kept it uh, after, and then uh, some of the Church of God groups after. As well as you go through church history, you can show that it was kept before as well. Now, the Catholics, the Roman Catholics and the Lutherans didn't like them, and here, historians maintain that although the Paulicians have been the most wantingly liable of all gospel sects, they did represent the survival of a primitive type of Christianity. We in the continuing Church of God represent a primitive type of Christianity because what? We're supposed to contend earnestly for the faith once for all delivered to saints. That's Jude 3. The faith once for all wasn't supposed to change. Mockers call it primitive Christianity or Christianity that was replaced with progressive revelation or whatever nonsense terms they use. Anyway, uh, they were against Mariolatry, intercession of the saints, worshiping images using crosses, insects, incense, excuse me, and idea of purgatory. And they kept uh, Passover on the 14th of Nisan, which we do. They didn't keep Christmas and stuff like that. Here's something from a Roman Catholic priest. Um, Basil, and this is from uh, a 987 AD letter. Then the observances which we've known to be repudiated them as neither apostolic or divine, the mysteries of the prayers of genuflection. So he said, look, they, they say that our Catholic holidays, they're not apostolic, uh, they deny uh, the communion of, the, of immortality. The early Christians, by the way, did not believe in immortality of the soul. We know that the adorned sign which God made raised and carried on his shoulders. So they're saying they denied a cross, but early Christians didn't uh, venerate crosses. Um, various parts of the Paulicians went into Bulgaria, Thrace, and neighboring provinces. And eventually, some of them became amalgamated to become known as the Albigenses and the Waldenses. And there were Manicheans who had some elements of Judeo-Christian views. Now, the, all the Manicheans were not Church of God either. Anyway, the Lutherans condemned them. This is uh, the Diet of or the Council of Augsburg in the year 1530. So they teach the decree of the Council of Nicaea concerning the unity of the divine essence and concerning the three persons is true and is to be believed without doubting. Well, two things. First of all, the Council of Nicaea did not come out with a Trinitarian statement. It was not until the Council of Constantinople in 381. So when the Lutherans condemned this in 1530, they were, don't even know what they were talking about. Their history, they got it wrong. 
Anyway, so they condemn all the heresies that sprung against this idol, such as the Manichaeans who assume two principles. So they're condemning non-Trinitarians. And the reality is the true church was not Trinitarian, and scholars who are willing to look at the truth and believe what the Bible teaches, and early church history will admit this. Instead, even the Trinitarian scholars say, yeah, well, they were getting there. It means it was not the original faith. It took them centuries to get there. Okay, the the uh, uh, Lutherans also uh, condemned the uh, Anabaptists who think there'll be an end to punishment of condemned men and devils. They condemn those who are uh, spreading certain Jewish opinions that before the resurrection of the dead, the godly will take possession of the king of the world and the ungodly everywhere being uh, suppressed. In other words, they didn't like them teaching uh, the gospel of the kingdom of God. We have a booklet uh, on that. Here it is. Gospel of the kingdom of God. Now this booklet is available in 100 different languages, over 100 different languages at ccg.org. If you go, not the literature tab, but go to that website, just go down the page, you'll see all of those languages listed in English alphabetical order, and you can find links to it. They didn't, the uh, Lutherans condemn people for teaching the good news of the kingdom of God. And uh, Philip Schiff, who is a chef, who's a Protestant historian, says that Pasagini believed they required the literal observance of the Mosaic law, including the Jewish Sabbath, as late as 1267, 1274, papal bulls, these are uh, edicts, call for punishment of heretics who uh, go on back to the Jewish rites, and they think it's referring to Pasagini. Albigenses, Pasagini's, are another branch of the same sect, different ones, different names. The Albigenses were condemned by various councils. Catholic, Roman Catholic Council of Albi, in 1254 stated, they savor of Judaism. They observe the Jewish Sabbath and say the Holy Dominical Day, that's Sunday, is no more better than any other day. Then they, the council said, let them be accursed. And there's more sources to say the basic kind of thing. But I would like to read something from the uh, from a Catholic, Roman Catholic clergyman. This is, a, this is anonymous. He used the pseudonym of Morris Pinay. In the Middle Ages, the popes and the councils were successful at destroying Jewish revolutionary movements which appeared within Christianity in the form of false teaching which were introduced by Christians in appearance but Jews in secret. The secret Jews organized controls the secret manners of movements such as those of the iconoclasts. What are iconoclasts? People who are against idols. Like us, the Cathars, the Paterines, the Albigenses, the Hussites, and others. So, in other words, this Roman Catholic writer is saying these people, these are like secret Jews because they claim to be Christian, but they really weren't. Now, here's something that the Catholic Encyclopedia notes about some Thyatira. The papal Antichrist theory was gradually developed by three historical bodies: the Albigenses, the Waldenses, and Fraticelli between the 11th and 16th centuries. Are these the expositors from whom the Church of Christ has received true interpretation of prophecies? So they're saying, look, 
they came up with this, those people aren't any good, so don't listen to them. Well, the reality is, according to uh, uh, Cardinal John Henry Newman, uh, he said, actually it started earlier, uh, from Church of God type people, and the reality is, a lot of times, they were accused of being having beliefs that they didn't have. And they had beliefs, we, we, we can find beliefs they had that were true Christian beliefs that have been held from the beginning and that the Bible supports that we the continuing church of God still hold. Now, the Waldenses in India claim to have apostolic origin. Um, and uh, they say that uh, uh, they also, also affected, it came from... Uh, uh, a Syriac source, which would be like around Antioch. Some missionaries who brought the gospel to China were Sabbath keepers, and they think they've got proof for that. And it says they've got, uh, they came from Antioch, and they kept Saturday. And there's the, Mr. Massey further says, I'm reading this, they separated from the Western world by a thousand years, they are naturally ignorant of the novelties introduced. means the changes the Romans, Greco-Romans brought in, based on the councils and decrees. They said, we're Christians, we're not idolaters. That's what they said when they were told to do homage to the image of Mary. When the Portuguese came to Malabar, India in 1503, they were agreeably surprised to find uppers to 100 Christian churches on the coast of Malabar. When they became acquainted with the purity and simplicity of their worship, they were offended. These churches, say the Portuguese, belong to the Pope. Who's the Pope? said the natives. We've never heard of him. These European priests were more alarmed when they found that these Hindu Christians maintained the order and discipline of a regular church under Episcopal jurisdiction, and for 1,300 years past, they enjoyed a succession of bishops appointed by the Patriarch of Antioch. They said to the true faith, Whatever you from the West may be, we come to place the followers of Christ were first called Christians. Now they thought perhaps this came from the Apostle uh, Thomas, but he wouldn't have been alive quite that long. If you go back to 1300 years, from 1500, you get to 203. And who was the Church of God leader at that time in Antioch? Serapion of Antioch, who's the Church of God leader. We did, a, 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 recently I think I did a sermonette about him. We also have some of the Malabar claim to come from uh, Armenia. It says the three great doctrines of popery, the Pope's supremacy, transubstantiation, adoration of image, were never believed nor practiced at the time in this ancient apostolical church. Okay. And J.W. Massey further says uh, the creed that they have is in line with ancient Christians. As far as creeds go, I had an Eastern Orthodox person try to send me the Nicene Creed and tell, to tell me this is original. It was not. Their church knows it. Apparently she didn't know that. Uh, the Roman Catholic Church knows it. The earliest creed, by the way, so-called earliest apostolic creed, does not say anything we in the Church of God would object to. Okay? And it's, it's interesting. But anyway, so their creed was like that as well. Uh, so they, over in India, they're howling the Sabbath day. And they were accused of Jewish wickedness. And in 1800, the Church of England clergyman by the name of uh, C. Buchanan said, the Syrian Christians inhabit 
the regions of Trenivore and Malabar in south of India. Now Syria, by the way, is near right now the little tiny nation known as Israel. Okay, so these were people over the other side of India, South India. If I use my hand, they're talking about being over here. Syria's way over there someplace. Okay. And they got there from the early ages. They had a succession of uh, bishops. And they've got some stuff about the Armenians being associated with there as well. Uh, persecutions. The, uh, the Pope Leo decided killing wasn't uh, the way to handle it. And he thought economic blackmail was better. So this is something from 1179. St. Leo says, the discipline of the church should be satisfied with the judgment of the priests and not cause the shedding of blood. The loathsome heresy is some, some call the Cathars, the Paterines, others uh, Plubicani by different names have grown so strong. They don't practice their wickedness in secret, as do others, but they proclaim their error publicly and draw the simple and weak to them. We declare receive as an anathema. With regard to the Bronitors, Agaronzi, Navrasi, Basques, Cotarelli, Cotarelli practice such evil, cruelly bound Christians. Subject to penalties for, for heretics and basically to boycott them economically and shun them. But that wasn't good enough for the Catholics, Roman Catholics. Then later, they decided to do the Inquisition. And it was basically done to stop people objecting to a lot of teachings that the Church of Rome had. And here's from uh, early as 1206, Pope Innocent began to set on his own proven men by twos to counteract the uh, Waldensi barbs by their own methods. But that didn't work. They got humiliated, so they offered, tried another movement, and that didn't work. And eventually they decided to go ahead with uh, the Inquisition. By the way, on June 22nd, 2015, current Pope Francis uh, apologized for the murderous persecution that uh, his church did against the uh, Waldenses. In uh, 1959, the old radio church of God published, we don't find anywhere in the writings of the Old Testament the light of truth and holiness at any time was completely extinguished. There have always been men who faithfully walk the paths of righteousness, which is why we say we have succession, laying out of hands. Their number was few, but wasn't stopped. Uh, Gregory the Ninth issued another bull of edict against Waldenses in 1231. 1231 to 1233, a general persecution raged in Germany cutting short the work in Holland. By 1235, persecution began on a large scale in Milan, the original seat of the Lombard Waldenses. The archbishop raised, with a Z, their school, I mean, just knocked it down completely. Apparently the college will let the people go free. And read something from a, from a Protestant scholar. This is a Dr. Harold Brown, who wrote this in 1988. In 1184, Pope Lucius III and Emperor Frederick I Barbosa took another step in the organization of Inquisition to a commission to control heresy in northern Italy. 
The custom of execution by fire appears to be from a slightly later degree issued by Aragon, in Aragon by King Peter in 1197. The next major step in established inquisition was taken by Innocent III in the West. The same Pope launched a crusade against the Cathars and Albigenses of southern France in 1208. In the second century of the Christian era, most Christians refused to take up arms at all. And by the way, that is true. Early Christians and true Christians have always been pacifists, something that the Protestants didn't understand, and Martin Luther condemned pacifists because he wanted people to fight and kill. Even though Protestants know, Catholics know, that in the second century, first second centuries, early Christians didn't fight. Anyway, this... Dr. Brown continues, one millennium later, Christians were not only fighting for the church against infidels who had conquered biblical lands, but against other Christians. Well, these aren't true Christians who were doing this, who were doing the fighting, but other Christians who only asked to be able to live in peace in their ancestral soil. That was the crime of the true church in the Middle Ages. They just want to live in peace. No matter how dreadful the use the violence against the dualistic Albigenses ones, it must be acknowledged that such heresies incompatible with Christianity, indeed with biblical religion as such, perhaps for medieval popes the crucial factor that caused them to condemn the dissidents was really the dissidents' rejection of papal authority. So here you've got Dr. Brown speaking out of both sides of his mouth. On one hand, he says, you know, true Christians didn't fight. So here we have, under the popes, Christians being killed, but look, they weren't Trinitarian, so, you know, maybe it wasn't so bad. Come on, Dr. Brown. Dr. Brown, by the way, in his book actually admitted that you couldn't document the Trinitarian belief uh, the first two or three centuries of uh, the church. And that's true, because you can only find it from the heretics and the crazies. And uh, if anybody looks in the details, they find out the church was not Trinitarian. Even the Roman Catholic Church and the Greek Orthodox Church uh, were not Trinitarian uh, in the first couple of centuries. And scholars who have looked at this uh, know that's the case. Uh, this is more about uh, inquisitions. Um, we have a, a sermon about that. But here's something, though, that I think is kind of interesting. One of the things that Waldensians so the Waldensian did, or people did during Thyatira, was, was to translate scripture. And the Roman Catholics didn't like this. Here's something from Canon 14 of Consulum Tosilsanum, the Council of uh, Toulouse, 1229 AD. We forbid that the laity be permitted to have the books of the Old or New Testament, unless some might preventure for feeling devotion to have a psalm for the Blessed Mary. But we do most strictly forbid them from having the aforementioned books translated into the vulgar, the native tongue. And that's one of the things that was done by the Church of God during uh, the Middle Ages and prior. Here's another version of this. Canon 14. We also prohibit that the laity, that's normal people, should be permitted to have the books of the Old New Testament. And we... Uh, again, so we've got two sources say the same thing about that. So they didn't want people to have the Word of God. Now, let me read something from a, a Protestant source. So the, the Cathari had many opposing doctrines 
to the Greco-Roman churches, but they were divided amongst themselves, broken up to sects. Seventy-two according to one, doc, one document. So in other words, there were different groups. In general, they said there were two churches. One of the wicked, one of the righteous. They considered one of the righteous. Uh, having received the imposition of hands, laying out of hands, according to the teaching of Christ and the Apostles. This proved they were, it was them who were the true, true church, not the big one. The true church endures persecution, does not cause it. The Roman church, the woman of the apocalypse, the harlot, the pope, the antichrist. The, the depositions at their trials indicate Pharisees made much use of scripture. And they uh, complained that the established church, the big one, uh, was uh, in favor of war and armies and all this kind of stuff. Because Athari renounced priestly vestments, altars, crosses as idolatrous. They called the cross the mark of the beast. Declared it had no more value than a ribbon for binding the hair. It was an instrument of Christ's shame and death should not be used. Actually, Jesus was killed on a stake, not necessarily a cross. They rejected, as expected, doctrines of purgatory and indulgences. But because there were 72 different types of them, not all of them were Church of God. Okay, so when you hear people say, the Church of God is wrong. The Cathari and the Waldenses weren't them because there were groups within that, would have, that were named those things. They probably, they did not tend to call themselves, by the way, things like uh, Waldenses or Cathari. This is what the Greco-Romans kind of threw them all in together. Uh, some in Russia, by the way, also part participated in persecuting the Judaizers during this time, like in 1503. And it says the Judaizers in Russia in 15th, 16th century denied the Trinity. Okay, so that means there were two Church of God people probably in Russia at that time as well. And then when you go through the uh, Inquisitors, Inquisition, uh, they've got all kinds of information that we have about them. I'm not going to go into a lot of this, but I'm going to read something by one of the Inquisitors. They say in time of persecution by Antichrist, uh, uh, some will apostatize from faith and die. God is going to hide his elect spiritual individuals so they can't be found by the Antichrist and his ministers. And we, the continuing Church of God, teach that the church will be hidden in the wilderness uh, uh, during uh, three and a half years. It'll be there. It says the church is going to be reduced in size, same size as the primitive church. They say after Antichrist's death, these spiritual individuals will convert the entire world to the faith of Christ. The world will be pretty good, except if people do some, maybe some minor things wrong. These insane heretics rail against the Lord Pope, calling him the mystical Antichrist, per, uh, precursor of the greater Antichrist. Furthermore, they assert they occupy the place of the apostles. They assert that the cross of Christ should not be adored or venerated, because no one would venerate the gallows of which a friend or a relative was hung. Anyway, because of they were being martyred, they were driven to places like Transylvania, uh, etc. They declared they had apostolic succession. Now, this is one thing uh, about Francis of Assisi versus uh, Peter Waldo. Now, both claim to be uh, for the poor. 
And that's Pope Francis took his name from them. And let me read something the Encyclopedia Britannica writes. Like St. Francis of Assisi, Waldo adopted life of poverty that he might be free to preach. But with this difference, the Waldenses preached the doctrine of Christ while the Franciscans preached the person of Christ. And that's actually one of the issues right now uh, with the Protestants is they have a tendency to preach more the the person of Christ than the, uh, the doctrine of Christ. And they don't understand the gospel of the kingdom of God. And many of the, during Thyatira found that uh, conformity of Rome would avoid persecution, so they compromised. And a lot of them ended up in the uh, uh, Transylvania area. Uh, we have some issues there. Uh, some of them held, uh, were claimed to be Unitarian. And what I found with this is that there were different types of Unitarians. There were Unitarians who uh, taught that only God the Father was God. And then there are other Unitarians that taught that uh, Jesus was God as well uh, by teaching, we need to continue in Church of God except the deity of Christ. And so we are considered semi-Aryan or binitarian, and that's what I found for the faithful there. Uh, there was uh, some research done about EOC. I told you about him before. It says they kept Passover, Days of Eleven Bread, Pentecost, Day of Atonement, Feast of Tabernacles, Last Great Day. They didn't eat leavened bread. They didn't keep uh, Easter or Christmas. They kept the Ten Commandments. They didn't eat blood. They didn't... Uh, eat unclean meat. They uh, believed in the millennium of grass a thousand years. They used God's calendar. They believed in, they believed in different resurrections. That you're saved by grace, but the law is still to be kept. That God is the one who calls his people in truth. Christ upon his return would take over David's throne. Pictures of Christ or God were considered idolatrous. The new covenant was only partially filled now in those called. They didn't believe in the original sin idea. Uh, they didn't agree with the predestination as taught by Calvin. And we have a, a, a book on Is God Calling You? where we go into Calvinism. Anyway, uh, they were persecuted for a long time. They had different types of works. Uh, translation was, was part of them. And I'd like to read a little bit about some things uh, regarding this. Uh, the uh, Worldwide Church of God taught that they uh, translated, their major work was translating, copying, making the scriptures known. So it's a little known fact that even most manuscripts which come be stored away in Catholic monasteries and cathedrals ultimately are traceable to the work of God's church. See, few scholars in the Middle Ages had the ability to read or translate the original Hebrew or Greek. So they used the Waldensian version, originally translated into provincial language from an early form from an early form of the Vulgate as their main source. They were using a type of uh, Latin. This did not mean they took it from Jerome's Vulgate. They used a basic type of Italian. Uh, and here's something from a Catholic source. The Waldenses translated scriptures into the vernacular. They criticized clerical wealth and corruption. They formed their own churches despite persecution. Here's from another reader, a writer. This is a Protestant writer. The received text, also called the majority text, Texas Receptus, the Byzantine text. This text was used by the Waldenses and was preserved by the true church throughout the ages. And I want to read something from a, 
a Seventh-day Adventist writer. Down through the centuries, there are only two streams of manuscripts. The first stream, which carried the received text in Hebrew and Greek, began with the apostolic churches, reappearing at intervals down the, church, the Christian era by the Syrian Church of Antioch, which predated eminent scholarship by the, by the Italic churches in northern Italy, and by the pre-Waldensian and Waldensians. First of all, the Texas Receptus was the Bible of, early, of Eastern Christianity. Later, it was adopted as the official text by the uh, Greek Catholic Church. And uh, we also use the uh, Byzantine text or Texas Receptus as the more reliable one for the New Testament. The term Thyatira also has, suggests something to do with weavers. And there were many who believed that uh, in the Transylvanian area, uh, they were particularly Transylvania, Romania, and the Carpathian Mountains, in the Ukraine. Uh, they were known for their weaving. They still are. Uh, I've tried to do a historical research as to what happened to them. Um, I've made all kinds of uh, contacts. I've contacted people in Eastern Europe. I've uh, contacted uh, the head of the Waldensian Library in Rome, uh, who uh, emailed me uh, a few weeks ago, back. I've consulted with Church of God people who've been over there, and basically uh, there were Church of God people in uh, Romania and uh, that area, and there was a town called uh, Bozad Ushvalu that seemed to have people, uh, physical remnants of Thyatira, and I've got a whole bunch of information about them, but basically, uh, under communism, Ceausescu decided to uh, build a, a reservoir, and he flooded it all out. So the remnant place, would ha which seemed to have had the last known congregation uh, in there, and I ended up it's not being there anymore. Uh, there's some spots related to uh, some perhaps went to hung Hungary, but so I did try to look for physical connections to them. As far as uh, uh, spiritual successors, I've kind of wondered who those could be. For some time, I considered people who uh, remained part of the old Worldwide Church of God after went into apostasy and became Grace Community International, perhaps to be some of the spiritual remnant of uh, Thyatira. Uh, there are some there. Um, I mentioned a little bit about uh, uh, Jezebel. I read what... Uh, Dean Blackwell had written about it. And I'd like to read what the old Worldwide Church of God taught about it in its uh, Bible Correspondence Course in 1968. Why would God call such a woman Jezebel? Because like the ancient Gentile, Jezebel ruling as an Israelite queen, this Jezebel of the Middle Ages was a Gentile church having the same pagan religion while masquerading as God's church, spiritual Israel, calling herself Christian. Here is merely a later form of universal paganism that, er that earlier falsely claimed to be Jewish it was actually the synagogue of Satan. How Jezebel seduced God's servants. Of the Waldensian emblem or seal were seven stars, stars. Directly below it pointed to the fourth star was a lighted lamp representing the then active Thyatira church. Around the rim was a Latin motto, Lux lucit in teneris. A light shines in the darkness. God's people knew they were the Thyatira church. It's long been believed that early Christians used the seven lampstands, lamp a symbol of the churches. And this is confirmed, by the way, from people such as the Catholic scholar Bellamine of uh, Bugatti. 
So it's possible Thyatira people knew this as well. Now, here's more from the old Worldwide Church of God. They must have known who Jezebel was, uh, the, the faithful one of the Waldenses. One of their oldest surviving books, Book of Antichrist, equates the Roman papacy and priests uh, with Babylon of Isaiah 47, the little horn of the fourth beast, Daniel 7, the heart of, of Revelation 17, 18, uh, uh, the false prophets, lying teachers, spirit of darkness, etc. Half of Jesus' message to Thyatira, the longest of seven, is devoted to warning against Jezebel. In spite of the warning, many fell under a trap. The chief worship in the ancient city of Thyatira was that of the sun god Apollo. Sunday was a pagan god, chief's day. Outside of the city of Thyatira, a civil or prophetess presided at a famous Chaldean sanctuary. The Bible says her name was Jezebel. Probably she only pretended to be converted like Simon Magus did in Acts 8, but took every member of the opportunity to urge Christ's body to come to her church. In the Middle Ages, that false church, the antitypical uh, Jezebel, strove similarly to bring the Thyatira members into, commun into communion with her. She too claimed to be Christian. Some humiliated Waldenses, not having individually repented, and their group came out of the Catholic Church, were disposed to listen to her. Others were coerced by fear of persecution and following her ways, committing spiritual fornication with the world. What happened was to happen to Jezebel on a sickbed, her children were to be born of her. The nation who sinned would have great trouble. Did these things happen? Yes, in the Protestant Reformation and accompanied strife. Did her Protestant daughters repent of her ways? No. Verse 23, extinction for them will come the final great tribulation. And they've got more basically about that, but basically uh, that was a view of uh, uh, the Church of God regarding Jezebel. Uh, let's go to Second uh, Corinthians 6. I'm going to read verses uh, 14 to uh, 18. A warning. People in Thyatira area should have heeded this. Starting verse 14. 2 Corinthians 6, Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? What communion has light with darkness? What accord is Christ with Belial? What part is the believer and the unbeliever? What agreement the temple of God with idols? For you're the temple of the living God. As God said, I will dwell with them and I'll walk among them. I'll be their God, they'll be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Don't touch what's unclean and I will receive you. I'll be a father to you, and you'll be my sons and daughters, says the Lord God Almighty. Similarly, in Ephesians 5, let's go there, verses uh, 8 to 11, Paul wrote, For you were once darkness, but now are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding out what's acceptable to the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. And you don't have to go there. 1 Corinthians uh, 10, 14, and 22 says to flee idolatry and don't put beliefs of demons and the celebration of demons with those of the true God. In Exodus 34, starting verse 12, I won't read it, verses 12 to 16, the Old Testament specifically warned the physical Israelites not to make deals with the pagans to be involved in food sacrifice then by them to them or to be engaged in spiritual adultery. 
And we're not supposed to see how did other people worship their gods and worship them likewise. But some in the Greco-Roman world think you're supposed to actually do that. Of the seven churches, it was only to the, uh, those of Thyatira and Philadelphia, Jesus said to hold fast to what they had before his return. Sardis wasn't told that, which is uh, one of the reasons why uh, the Seventh-day Adventists to force CG7 out of them were not, or away from them. They weren't part of uh, Sardis. They were, they, were part of, they were part of Thyatira. So the thing with Jezebel does not have to do with Ellen White. People have asked about that before. During the Sardis time, they were the ones who were losing stuff. And uh, yes, some there was some minor connection between some of the Adventists and Church of God, and I actually think this is where the Adventists got some of their doctrines from the Church of God. Anyway, in the end times, you have more Philadelphians holding fast to the major uh, doctrines and practices of the Church. Um, it's possible there's some Thyatirans still out there doing that. Those who are faithful should be continuing to do what was done. As John wrote in 1 John 2.19, for if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. They would not have changed doctrine. Now, yes, the organization would change, but the reality is, throughout history, the Church of God has had laying on of hands of succession. The Waldensians said they had it. Various groups said that they had it. Even the British Parliament agreed that they had some type. Even Roman Catholic Priests of some type agreed to it. Even the Eastern Orthodox Church in 1400s agreed they had some. But yes, the reality is some of the records, or a lot of records, were destroyed. In these end times, as we get closer to the rise of the beast and the false prophet, major persecution is going to hit. Don't be like the compromisers and those who changed from Thyatira or the Waldenses who accepted either Roman Catholicism or Protestantism neither of which are the original faith of the true church. Believe what the Bible says. And again, for more information on church history and what the early church taught, you can use your Bible and check out these books and the other literature that we have so you'll know that truly the true faith has continued. And it did continue from Ephesus to Smyrna to Pergamos to Thyatira, which we've been talking about, through Sardis, Philadelphia, and then sadly, in the end times, most end time Christians are, fill, are, are Laodicean, but you don't need to be. Hold to the truth. Be willing to believe the truth. We do know that persecution is going to come, and persecution did hit the Thyatira church. Don't be like those who fell because of it. This is Dr. Bob Teal from the Continuing Church of God.